You're listening to Things That Go Bump In The Mind. Hey, you found me. So nice to see another person. Well, at least one that has blood pumping through their veins, if you know what I mean. (laughs) This place can get a little lonely at night, and honestly, it feels like I've been down here doing this work for, I don't know, centuries. Um, Definitely never a dull moment here at Chicago General. So, pretty straightforward work here. We look at the files, go over what uh, the case is, and figure out where they're supposed to go. Chicago General is actually known for having one of the oldest psychiatric wards in the country. Um, It's been here for decades. All the files that you see here, all these cabinets, are all related to the psych ward here at the hospital. Um, It's one of the reasons why we decided to bring in uh, a psychology student to, uh, to help get these things filed away. Now, some of the files are local, um, you know, people that are in the area or were brought here from out of town. Um, Some of the files were sent to us for consultations and they just never got back to their original owners. Some of the cases can be pretty wild and you have to keep in mind that some of these were submitted to this hospital before psychology was what it is today. Since this is your first night, I went ahead and found something that I thought would give you a really nice taste of what you can expect here so you can make a decision of if you want to stay or not. Here you go. Case 10-5-718-1603, Manor Beast, The Enigma of Clinical Lycanthropy. Marie Dubois was an energetic teenager with a love for nature and an affinity for finding coveted herbs and mushrooms to sell with her family at the market. On this day in late August, she was on the edge of the forest, at the western edge of her family's farm, daring herself to venture in. While she was wildly independent and considered the woods a second home, some part of her blared with warning not to go. She was more than aware of the gossip about the murders over the last month or so, and she overheard her parents talking to a family friend about a missing cousin just the previous week. Despite the potential danger, she had just remembered the perfect spot to find the mushrooms she'd been looking for all afternoon. With a sliver of the full moon announcing itself on the ridge behind her, she stepped in. Within 15 minutes, she was standing in a clearing where she could see dozens of mushrooms, And after assessing her surroundings and taking note of just how little light she had left, she got started. By the time she was making her way back to the edge of the forest, frock full of mushrooms, the full moon was well on its journey up into the sky. Initially, she thought just how lucky and thankful she was to have a little extra light to help her pick through the imposing trees and greedily grasping roots. As she trudged toward the edge of the woods, her thoughts began to unravel, twist and gnarl like the knotted roots beneath her feet. The trees she had known since childhood, once a comforting presence, now loomed like ominous sentries, each one a harbinger of the dread that seeped into her bones like a creeping mist. The forest was draped in an unearthly stillness, a stark departure from the typical rustling of night creatures. It was as if all the life had been sucked out of the place, leaving only an eerie stillness. Memories flooded back of crisp fall evenings spent huddled around a campfire with her loved ones, 
the flickering flames casting dancing shadows on the surrounding trees. A howl shattered the silence like a thunderclap, sending a jolt of ice down Marie's spine. It was as if the sound had reached deep into her core, triggering an ancient, primal fear that screamed at her to flee. She could feel her heart pounding in her chest, the blood roaring in her ears. As the howl came closer this time, she knew that whatever was out there was coming for her. She was running before she even knew it, her legs pumping like pistons beneath her as she darted between the trees. She felt like a wild animal, her body moving with rabbit-like agility that allowed her to slip past obstacles easily. The mushrooms she had gathered, the ones she had been so proud of, now lay abandoned on the forest floor, their caps upturned among the debris of the forest. All she could think about was getting away as fast as she could. With her heart pounding in her chest and her breath coming in ragged gasps, she knew she had to keep moving. The howling was getting closer, and she could feel the predator's hot breath on her heels. She pushed herself harder, her legs pumping faster, her eyes fixed on a faint glimmer of light she could see in the distance. It was her only hope, her only chance of escape. As she burst out of the trees, she saw that the light was coming from several lanterns. Without hesitation, she sprinted toward them, her feet pounding against the hard earth. She could hear the creature behind her, its roars of rage and frustration filling the air. With one last burst of energy, she made it over a small ridge and into the sight of a large party of men, with her father and three brothers at the lead. She collapsed against the ground, her chest heaving, her body trembling with adrenaline. Her father and brothers rushed to her side, and she told them of the creature that had been chasing her. They quickly grabbed their weapons and set off into the woods, determined to hunt down the beast and put an end to its terrorizing of the small village. After hours of searching, there was a crash and a furious roar. They found themselves at a hole, a gaping maw in the earth that served as a death trap for the largest prey. The beast was at bay, its form hidden by shadows, but its eyes blazed with primal rage. The first arrow struck, followed by a barrage from the other bowmen. The pit was still. No sound or emotion came from within. Marie's eldest brother was lowered down, lantern in hand, to examine. As he banished the shadows, he gave a strangled cry. A massive man lay prone, arrows jutting from his body, life slipping away from the wounds inflicted. The body was later identified as Jean Grenier, a teenage boy who had been reported missing several months earlier. According to reports, he had been part of a hunting party that was tracking wolves, believed to be responsible for the death of livestock in the surrounding hills. The hunting party had separated in pursuit of the wolves, and Jean had become lost in the forest. After several months of being isolated in the wilderness, it was widely believed that Jean had gone mad from the experience. Marie's bravery and her family's determination saved the village from the terror of the beast, but she couldn't shake the feeling that the creature would always be lurking in the back of her mind, a constant reminder of the night she had a brush with the unknown. As the people of the town mourned Jean's passing, whispers began to spread of strange occurrences in the forest, of howls echoing through the night, of eyes that shone like beacons in the darkness. Some even claimed to have seen a figure half-man and half-beast, lurking in the shadows. As the years passed, the legend of the werewolf of the hills grew until it became a cautionary tale told to children at bedtime. But for those who knew the truth, they could never shake the feeling that something was still out there, watching and waiting, 
biding its time until the next unwary traveler crossed its path. So this is a pretty rare psychological disorder where the person, the affected individual, is under the delusion that they are in the process of or have turned into an animal, namely a wolf. Now, one of the more interesting things about this disorder is there are references to lycanthropic type behavior that go way back. And we're talking references to this in the Bible. There are also a lot of cultures that believe in shape-shifting and the ability of a man to transform into an animal, a woman to transform into an animal. And it can actually be very ritualistic. A lot of gods, goddesses, um, have been known to transform um, from human form to animal form. One of the first times we see the term clinical lycanthropy applied was back in the 1600s, where a farmer was convinced that he had transformed into a wolf and during these spells, he would commit these horrible acts of violence. Jean Baudin was a lawyer, a naturalist, um, he had a bunch of other titles, um, and he was one of the first people to actually use this term to describe what this person, this farmer, um, had become and was, was suffering from. One of the latest cases where we see the diagnosis of clinical lycanthropy given to someone actually happened back in 2016 where cops were called to a situation where a 19 year old man um, was attacking uh, a 59 year old man when police came up on the scene they said that the 19 year old was gnawing the face off of this individual um, and making growling sounds he was finally subdued and hospitalized, and through the assessment, the clinician um, did give him the diagnosis of clinical lycanthropy. So treatment for clinical lycanthropy um, is oftentimes similar to the same types of treatment you would use for other psychotic disorders. Um, as far as medication goes, I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm not recommending these medications. I'm just talking about what has been used in the past to treat people. Um, with medication that have shown clinical lycanthropy. So you have things like antipsychotics um, and antidepressants actually um, that can help uh, with this disorder. And then you have your standbys for therapy, things like CBT, um, family therapy actually helps to ground the individual back to their world, to the reality, to their family. Um, so a lot of different things that give them a chance to both explore um, emotion um, and then change behavior. Okay, looks like you are done uh, reading over that file. Um, like I said, things can get a little weird around here, but I give it to you for making it this far, um, and I'm hoping that you will come back. Um, I'll see you again next week, hopefully. While these stories do share some similarities to historical events and actual people, everything here is fictional. Feel free to share, but do not copy. You can find out more about myself and these stories through the Facebook page, Things That Go Bump in the Mind. Thank you for listening.